Hello and welcome into this episode of Has Entered the Chat. I am your host, Adam Gorey. Today, I talk to Ryan Airy from the YouTube channel Screen Crush. If you're not watching Screen Crush videos, you need to be watching them. Uh, I will put a link down to their YouTube channel below as well as their social media and Ryan's social media links. But as of right now, Screen Crush has almost 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. So there is a reason for that. So I urge you to head over, check out their videos. You'll learn at least one thing, but probably a lot more than one thing. I learned a countless number of things when I watch their videos. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit in the interview, but I was not really a comic book reader, more of a TV show movie fan. And so there's a lot of things from their videos that I learn about the background of some of the characters and things like that, but also things that you just miss when you're watching a movie or TV show or something or theories or things you didn't think about. Just really good content. I recommend checking it out. Before I forget, towards the end of the interview, we do talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So if you haven't seen it, you're going to want to skip. I will put in a spoiler warning before we start that conversation, in case you're not paying attention. I'll also put a timestamp down below in the description. Don't want to spoil anything for you, but after you watch Guardians, you'll definitely want to come back to that. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more at the end. But I don't want to waste too much time at least getting things started. So here you go. Ryan Airy from Screen Crush. Officially, and maybe this has changed, but from when I saw your, your official title with Screen Crush as executive video producer. What all does that encompass? Obviously, you're the man in front of the camera. I'm assuming you do a lot of the editing. Do you pretty much like what, what all capacity does that take on? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't realize that was my title. Uh, <laughs> maybe I put so that that's on what it is on your website. Point. I think it's oh, your okay. Website. I don't even know what that uh, would mean now. I think I'm more of a general manager at this point. So my career with Screen Crush started off uh, with me working just for Town Square Media, which is Screen Crush's parent company. Town Square is a great company. They own lots of radio stations, lots of digital and programmatic ads selling things, which is all, you know, I'm sure exciting to them, but boring to me. Um, I was hired to be a video editor for their digital arm. So Town Square owns Double XL, which is like hip hop, Boombox, which is hip hop, Loudwire, which is hard rock, Taste of Country, and Screen Crush, and a few other Pop Crush, a few other things. So I was hired to be an editor, and I mostly focused on doing Loudwire stuff because, you know, at that time, everybody was more focused on Double XL, and I just wanted to do this. But when I got to work on a Screen Crush video, which was very few and far between, that obviously was more personal for me. And then uh, about a couple years into that gig, I thought I could I could maybe do some of these video things. So I actually started my own YouTube channel, did like one or two videos. And then uh, my boss was like, hey, this is good. You should do this for Screen Crush. And after some soul searching, I said yes. So I started to write and edit Screen Crush videos in addition to editing just as a video editor, the ones that maybe the Screen Crush website staff did. And then, uh, you know, had some false starts. For, at one point, the company kind of reconfigured, let some people go. So I took on a management role, did fewer Screen Crush videos, left for a little bit, came back. And it wasn't until uh, our Avengers video, Endgame, in 2019, when the numbers were so huge. That video ended up getting 12 million views. It was number one trending. Um, we got our video out a couple of days before everybody else. Uh, obviously, the movie was huge. So 
after the end game video, it became Screen Crush full time. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so then it changed a little bit more. And I think really it was WandaVision that really cemented what we were doing. Um, and then for a long time, it was just me editing. And then we, um, we'd we always had interns, but then I started to sell ads so we could pay the interns. And then all you know, every staff member we have right now is a former intern. So we kind of built this program up of people who just loved doing what we do and managed to set ourselves apart from some of the other channels that do the same kind of thing because we have my dog in the videos. And, you know, I like to think our voice is like a little bit different, you know, like we approach things from a different way. It's a little more philosophical in points. We tend to be a little bit more critical. We're not as critical as like the critical drinker, but we're way more critical than new rock stars. So I think we found like a unique voice and really it's a team effort. So that's the history. And that's roughly what I do now. So my role is primarily host, writer, not very often editor, um, sell advertisements, and creative director, whatever title you want to give it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really funny that you mentioned WandaVision because um, that is really when I started watching YouTube videos mm -hmm. of breakdowns and, and stuff like that. And mm. I remember, and, and maybe it's because of this expansive universe where you know now there's not not only movies but all these tv series that kind of tie into the different universes and then you know plus game of thrones got really big and there's just countless you know you can once you find one you kind of it leads you into the rest because you know grow, growing up i was i i know you're like a, a comic book reader i never really read the comics as a kid but I grew up on like the animated series in the nineties, you know, obviously like the X-Men movies, the Spider-Man movies, and just like mm -hmm. always loved that kind of stuff. So then, you know, when it became like the universe of, you know, Marvel cinematic universe and, and everything, like I was hooked. And then they started adding the shows that kind of, you almost needed to know a little bit about the comics to, to fully understand everything you were watching. So, mm -hmm. I remember my wife and I were like watching WandaVision and we're like, what the hell is going on? So we, <laughs> we would like Google stuff, yeah. you know, and first it started off as articles and then I found the videos. And once I found the videos, I have been watching them, you know, yours. And I know you mentioned a few others like new rock stars and stuff. I, I just like consume them all. Right. Because I learn a little bit something from everybody, obviously, but um, you, you're right. I, I do really, I feel like uh, with you guys, I feel like the tone of it and everything. I feel like I already know you. You know what I mean? And and mm -hmm. that's I, I good. Feel, and like I, f I feel like Doug is like part of the family. You know what I mean? Like we love Doug in this house. So, he literally um, is part of mine. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so so yeah, like it's it's crazy. And and at this point, I mean, with all the different series and stuff, not that it's oversaturated, but there is just just so much. Like, do you when do you sleep? given how much content there is now. Um, it depends. Like Mandalorian was tough because you, you think like when the Mandalorian was coming out um, here. Okay. So here's the journey with that. The very first episode of the Mandalorian, I did wake up like at four o'clock back then. Uh, our big thing was getting the video up before new rock stars, new rock stars typically would put theirs out the next day anyways. But you know, the sooner you get it out, the better your video does. And then our friend heavy spoilers came around um, around 2020 ish um somewhere in there and paul has this incredible gift paul from heavy spoilers has this incredible gift to get his videos up really fast 
Um, he does this in part by just being very knowledgeable about a, a variety of subjects, editors who are really fast. He doesn't really do cutaway clips like we do. So it's just him narrating over top. I don't think mm -hmm. he usually uses music. All these things speed up his process. But he also is really smart because if he knows that a trailer is going to be coming out for the Marvels, he might go ahead and pre-edit like a minute on Kamala Khan, something like that, which will do the same thing because I learned it from him. Um, so with The Mandalorian, we originally I originally would get up at four and just do this myself. Then it kind of turned into, well, I'm actually not doing a good job when I was doing that. So I slept in a little bit. We worked a little bit later. What's happened over the years is, especially with The Mandalorian, um, the universe has become increasingly complex. It takes a little bit more explanation, especially this last season. So we have to like stop and explain the expanded universe, things like that. But also, I think our videos have just gotten better. They're more in-depth. Uh, they're a little bit more attuned to what the algorithm likes. Our very first Mandalorian breakdown video, which was our first Your Mom joke, um, got 12 – it was 12 minutes long. And I, I don't know the number right in front of me, but like – our season three stuff was 30, 40 minutes long. And we're able yeah. to do that because I've got a great team. Um, we'll have three or four people, sometimes five, working on a script and Google Docs, highlighting different sections to get it done fast. And on those Wednesdays, I don't sleep. I don't schedule anything. I don't go out. I don't, you know, clean the house. It's just laser focused on those days. Um, the follow-up days aren't so bad. And, you know, like I said, I have a great team. So if we go see a screening of Guardians of the Galaxy the week before it comes out, me and an editor see it, and that editor has a week to work on it. Well, if I ride it in time. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really just the whole team that is with me that makes all that possible. Okay. Yeah, because and the other thing too is uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. <clears throat> when you're doing, you know, um, Easter egg things you miss, break down that kind, kind of video on a show like Mandalorian where you could, if you miss a spot, you can rewind it and go back. Mm -hmm. How does that differ from like a movie like guardians? That was, you know, maybe oh. you saw a screening, but do, I assume you don't get a copy yeah. of it to take home with you. No, you know God, I mean? no. Um, movies are tougher. Movies are a lot tougher. So for instance, with guardians, you know, like when I watch these movies now um, at screenings, I rarely can form a coherent opinion about the movie afterwards. I really struggle with that because your head's down, you're writing, you're focused on this, on that. Um, you're looking for Easter eggs. You're thinking about other videos that you can tease. Like, what are the big questions people are going to have? Like, after Guardians, I was kind of distraught. I am after every movie. I'm like, what are the follow-ups we can make on that? And then, you know, time goes by. You're like, ah, oh, there's Warlock, there's Mantis, even though our videos on those have kind of tanked. Um, the editor also takes notes as well. Her name's Harriet. She's our lead editor. She's great. She always takes notes. Um I noticed new rock stars used to always wait a day or two. And I think that's so they could see the movie again or right. so they could, you know, get their hands on a pirated version. Um, I'll do that sometimes. Like there might be like a quote I want to make sure I get right. So I might check out like somebody's cam copy or something, but no, for the most part, you just have to go through it the one time. And that sucks because you would think, Oh, okay. When the movie comes out on digital, you can like, do a really in-depth one and people show up for that, but they don't. The reason that the the streaming shows typically will perform better for us is because, at least in the short term, is because when people finish watching the show, they are on their phone, they go on YouTube right away. Um, yeah. Not everybody went out and saw Guardians the first weekend. We've seen, you know, with The Mandalorian, let's say we get 250,000 views in the first day, 
typically the first day is half of what you're going to get. Okay. So then you'll usually, if it's 250, you'll even at around 500 with the movies. It's a slower burn. It's pretty crazy. But mm. like, I was like, Oh my God, these guardians videos are tanking. And lo and behold, it just takes a while because people haven't seen the movie yet. They come home, they're evergreen. They'll get to it. They see it on digital. Um, so they're tougher. Cause I do think we miss a lot more. Uh, and I, in the movies too, you get to focus a little bit more on like themes and meaning, like James Gunn put more theme and soul into, you know, two hours of this movie than like an entire season of most Marvel shows than like the entire season right. of She-Hawk, for example, just to pick on She-Hawk because everybody else does. Um, so yeah, you do miss things. We don't get full movies, but if we waited a couple of days, I don't think the views would really be there. So you got to get it out fast, unfortunately. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's funny too, because you know we'll be in a theater and we just finish a movie and obviously sitting there waiting for the end credits and I'm like, all right, can't wait to get home and throw on YouTube. But it is a lot easier when you're already home watching a TV show and you're just like, let mm-hmm. me just hit this button and it automatically changes over. But at the same time, um, as I get older, I become a grumpier old man and like I don't want to go deal with opening weekend crowds. You know what I mean? Like I'm we'll saying go- that a lot. Yeah going to the movies and like you know all these theaters around us have like the recliners which is great but inevitably the person behind me is always going up and down and up and down and up and down the entire movie Mm -hmm. it's such a distraction (laughs) yeah so we we always try to like cherry pick when we go you know what i mean like luckily you can kind of reserve your seat ahead of time so we'll go in and be like all right this one doesn't look too crowded let's go on the number one thing for me is phones in theaters it drives me and talking to, but like phones, I'm like, we can see your phone, you know, like everybody, the number, and then the theater owners, <laughs> unless you're in a draft house, don't care. I've gone and I've mm-hmm. talked to managers. Like, can you come this guy and like ask them to stay and wait? And I just don't get why people can't get it through their head that you're in a communal space. You've paid money. Right. We've all paid money not to look at the bright light of your phone. I can't stand that. Talking, yeah, I, you I, might I'm... say something to the person next to you, but you know. Yeah, as long as you're not like yelling through the whole movie but you know what we actually had and this is a big reason we we started to kind of wait a little bit um I, don't know, I think it was it was definitely during the robert pattinson batman and it might have mm-hmm. even been during multiverse of madness very adult films right so mm-hmm. we had people coming in bringing i i kid you not they had to be three four year old kids oh i'm bringing not them into yet. the theater and i'm like a, a, they're not quiet for two hours, but B, right. like that's a little bit of an extreme movie to be to be shown a for the Batman, yeah. So I once I remember yeah. being at Passion of the Christ opening day and a, a mom bringing her like toddler in or three year old, and I'm like, this is the most violent movie ever made. And she didn't take the kid out. Like, I remember seeing like moms take their kids out of Batman Returns when he's making out with Michelle Pfeiffer because they thought a sex scene was about to happen, but. You know, watching your Lord and Christ Savior. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a violent movie, man. Um, no, and during the Batman, I was sitting next to a guy. You know the scene where the penguin looks out of the car and the Batman's walking toward him uh, and it's yep. upside down? It's great. With the fire. It's in the tra- yep. Yeah, it's awesome. It's in the trailer. This dude filmed it to be like, <laughs> no I'm way. at the Batman. And I'm like, that's in the trailer. But it's part of like, I guess I'm unfortunately part of this culture of like trying to get those LPPs, you know, those likes per post, trying to get this like, subscribe, leave a comment. Like we're yeah, all trying to yeah. juice the algorithm for our own benefit. 
I like to think what separates me from that is like, I'm not really doing it for personal clout. This just kind of happened for me. It's more about sustaining a business so people can get paid and pay their rent. And I don't really right. care how many people I got a tweet go viral a few days ago. Right. And that's yeah. maybe happened once one other time. I know it's fine. It's great. Fantastic. Enjoy the discourse. I'm not checking on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's like, it's almost like it's happening somewhere else and it has nothing to do with me personally. Whereas other people are constantly trying to get, Oh yeah, I'm at the Batman. I'm here. I'm doing this and trying to stay engaged right. in that way. And I'm like, bro, I'm engaged enough. I want to unplug. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, part of, part of it too might be, you know, because of the pandemic, we had so many movies come out that you, HBO Max just streamed them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So I think you're right. You know, now that you're back in theaters, you're like, well, kind of liked my couch a little bit. But I, I will say, like, it, it took me a while actually to kind of get back to that. I really want to see it on the big screen kind of mindset. You know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. so comfortable just being able to watch it at home. TVs have good enough picture these days that like it's still very enjoyable. But I think when I saw uh, Top Gun Maverick, I think in theaters is when I was like, all right, like. This is one you had to see on the big screen with the the speakers and, and just everything. Mm -hmm. and that kind of like rekindled yeah. it a little bit for me. And not just for the movie going experience, but also for the communal experience. I mean, movies are modern, not modern theater, because that implies theater doesn't happen, but they're a reinterpretation of theater. And theater was by its nature designed to be a communal event that like challenged power infrastructures in every society it's ever appeared in. Movies have a greater effect on you when they're viewed with others, when you're sharing an experience, because your energy feeds yep. off of one another. Like, you know, I it's the end game video that where they took the somebody took the audio of people seeing the hammer cheer. Like that means more. It's the difference between listening to an album on your smartphone and going to a concert. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, you know, some I have never been one who can actually go to a theater by myself, and and if you are somebody listening is like, I'm not judging. Trust me. I just like, I, I kind of like, like you said, like having somebody there with me to share in that, whether, you know, not so I'm talking to them. It's that's what the funny thing is. Like, I'm not talking to them during the movie, but as soon as it's over, you have somebody to kind of be like, Hey, that was crazy. Like, remember this, remember that. Mm -hmm. I, I remember, uh, going to the theater for age of Ultron. And obviously the whole thing of that movie was like building up like Hawkeye was going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and he did it, but on the way out, you know, that was, I think that was probably a midnight showing, you know, I don't even know if they still do those anymore. I haven't been to one if they do, but, uh, there was a showing right after that. I think it was a Thursday night showing it came out Friday. Mm -hmm. It was probably Thursday night at like seven, whatever. There was a showing after that long line, people waiting to get in. Me and my friends are walking out, and we're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe Hawkeye died!" Like we said it loud enough. Oh, that the people could... yeah, like that Homer Simpson and <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah for yeah, everybody, yeah. 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 But that we want, we're like, oh, they'll think that Hawkeye's going to die because the movie just totally builds up to that, and they right. doesn't die anyway. So I right, but they didn't know that. Of... They were probably pissed off as hell. Exactly. I wouldn't have done that just because you're exactly. still affecting the way people view the movie. But that's a pretty funny, right? Well, I was. I mean, this. I was a young, stupid. Kid. Was, uh, what, how long did go did Age of Ultron come out? I feel like, I like to say I've yeah I'd like to say I've matured more since then. Um, what do you? I'm, I mean, you maybe you don't even run into this anymore, but if it's slow, you know what I mean. There's no 
like Mandalorian's done right now. Um, you know, say there's no new big series, you know, coming out or, or being played. There's no real, you know, Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I got my acronyms mixed up, G-O-T, G-O-T-G. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, is, is kind of starting to settle down a little bit. In those times where there's just not a ton of content getting put out there, um, and again, maybe you don't even run into this that much anymore because there usually is a lot of content. But what, <clears throat> like, what's your process in trying to make sure that your channel stays relevant and is able to put out like good content? Yeah, I was having this conversation with a friend a while back, um, uh, Paul from Heavy Heavy Spoilers. It's easy to panic when it's low. It's really easy to look at it and go, "Oh my God, we're doing so bad! Look how low these are." Um, I'm lucky my company's never really done that to me. You know, what you need to do in times like this is look at it as a gift. Um, For instance, if you were to go and look at, oh, let me see if I'm able to see this right now. Um, If you were to go on Screen Crush and look at our highest viewed videos, uh, I'm doing that right now. Okay, great. we have Avengers Endgame, 12 million views. We have a theory video about Ultron that came out seven years, six years after Age of Ultron, 10 million views. We have a Marvel recap, 8 million views. Another theory video, 6 million. There are no other Easter eggs or current things, even remotely near the top, except for Endgame ending explained. And there's a Game of Thrones video that got a couple million. Oh, almost three now. I didn't know that. So for the most part, our videos that have done the best over time are evergreen videos. They're videos that have a unique perspective, a unique theory, um, that have a really strong thumbnail. Not every video, and if we only did that, we'd be in trouble. But those videos get made in the downtimes, the times when you can experiment, you can try something different. You know, I spent a day and a half the other day coming up with new thumbnails for videos we've already done. Because I think it's a really strong, like it was a, an evergreen format that we want to like keep going. It's also a good time to just enjoy yourself. Like if you're not having fun in your life, then you're doing it wrong. Uh, you need to take time off. You need to recharge. To come, uh, all my best ideas were from vacations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just when you're enjoying life and you're not trying to bang out videos all the time. So if anybody has a YouTube channel and you get, hit these little lull periods, take it easy. It's okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. Make things better. Instead of doing five videos a week, do three videos, make them longer, make them better during that time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I always come up with ideas like in the shower or something like yep. that. And I think Using it's the because bathroom. Like, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything. You know what I yep. mean? You, you give your brain a chance to kind of shut off a little bit and you'll be surprised how much it actually like turns on yep. in a good way. And take walks. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's that too. Um, yeah. And that Ultron one that you mentioned, that was pretty high up there. My guess is that one that was probably uploaded before the end game one, right? No, after, um, that one was kind of in response to WandaVision. Uh, Uh, it was why Ultron was right and knew about the Scarlet Witch. It's a good video. I mean, it's a really good video and Ultron has like a lot of weird cryptic stuff in it and we broke all that down. Um, there's actually one here that did really well, but has a terrible thumbnail. I might actually fix that. (laughs) Now See, that look, I'm looking at these, I hate them. something today. Right. Um, the, uh, oh, what was I going to say now? I lost my train of thought, but it was Take long. your time, sorry. Those, yeah. those lines of uh, of Ultron and everything. 
I'll, I'll come back to it if I think of it. Okay. Um, how, how long does it usually take you to do one of those? Like, let's just say it's a, let's, let's, that's a broad question. So let me narrow it down for yeah. like a Mandalorian episode because that's a recurring series. It's one. Oh, a um, with those, what was I doing? I think uh, I started getting up at five 30, Normally the staff starts at nine, but we have everybody come in at 10 to give a little bit more time toward the writing. Um, or I can write like a few pages. Like let's say the script ends up being about 10 pages, which I think is normal for Mandalorian. Uh, if maybe sometimes I only get like five pages done by the time people log on, they can edit those fives and I do the rest of it. But normally script is done and recorded by 10 o'clock and then the staff works on it. First drafts usually done around three and they have revisions and uploading high res comp- compiling making the thumbnail. I used to make every thumbnail. Now we've got a great guy uh, named Colton Hogburn who also writes and is going to co-host a yeah, bit more with us. Seen him on some videos. Yep. Yeah, he's great. Um, he also like uh, makes a lot of great thumbnails for us. Um, in fact, I think I've been relying on him a lot lately. If you look at our, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, yeah, most of our past, past few videos he's done. Say about 75%. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I said, it's a team effort. Like you couldn't just do it one person like I yeah. used to. Yeah. Or you, you yeah, could. I, you could actually easily do it with one person. It would just be a bad video. <laughs> so, you know, like that's, <laughs> you can do forever. anything by yourself, but it would just be horrible. Like you could just yeah. make the whole thing still frames and ramble and, you know. I'm sure that. it helps too just from a point of view perspective. You know what I mean? Just, oh, I didn't think of that. Like, Oh yeah. Having multiple eyes, the more eyes on it, the more kind of ideas. Yeah. I do want to, um, save a little time. I know we're, we're getting kind of close to a half hour. I do want to actually save a little time. Oh no, not your fault. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about just like your opinions on a few of the, uh, like DC and Marvel, like the direction where they're going. I know, I know you have some videos on them. So if anyone's watching or listening, definitely go over there and check them out. But like, I know, like I said, uh, growing up, growing up on the X-Men films, the Spider-Man films, there was no interconnected universe. Now Marvel and DC are both putting that, you know, foot together. And and I know you guys actually have a video. I just watched it, I think, last week about is DC kind of on the way up and is Marvel kind of on the way down? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's your is is a lot of that going to depend on how this this new Flash movie does for you? Uh yeah, I think for DC, the Flash movie is pretty crucial. It's it's a, a soft reset that they really need. And I think the other thing is going to be, the real tell is going to be James Gunn's Superman movie, which I've heard good things about so far. Um, they're just now casting. Uh, that's the other thing that, you know, Man of Steel was, was pretty divisive. And I think that just set into stone everything they were going to do. I mean, remember, the DCEU is supposed to start with Green Lantern. Like that was the first movie that was going to be their connected universe. I always say 2011 right. is like the most crucial year in superhero movies because you had um, Captain America came out, which set up the Avengers. You had X-Men First Class, which rebooted the X-Men universe. And then you had the movie that defined the DCEU, which was Green Lantern. Defined it because it was a failure. So yeah. Superman, so Man of Steel you know, went really far the other way. I, I hate the damn movie. A lot of people like it. What can you do? Um, but I think Superman is always the standard bearer for DC. You know, Batman films are going to get made. Batman's really easy to do. 
no offense to Matt Reeves, but making a great Batman movie, not too challenging. It's an action movie. The guy has no powers. He wants revenge. It's very straightforward. Superman, on the other hand, is really hard because he has powers, because you have to make it interesting. You need a compelling villain without it being all CGI spectacle. Um, so I think that's going to be the crucial thing for, for those DC movies. I don't know. Like, you know, we'll do a podcast where I'll, you know, throw out, be devil's advocate and say, is Marvel done? I think people, A, with movies are a little fatigued of going to the theater, like you said. We feel like there's a lot of homework to do, but mostly it's that the movies are just, and some of the shows are just kind of mid, you know? I liked Quantumania. I didn't hate it. Wasn't great. But it also didn't make you feel like you had to see it. It's better than Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel made way more money because you felt like you had to see Captain Marvel. Right. And and I mean, the other thing, too, is when you have something like, and, and this is just a product of, of the product of what you're doing i guess with in, in marvel's case you you spend all this time building the backstory with infinity war infinity gauntlet having in game you it's hard to top that you know what i mean when you when you build and build and build and build and build and then there you go you know phase four overall was a super in my opinion at least pretty disappointing you know what i mean shang chi i loved shang chi i think that was i think it flies a little under the radar with some people it's probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites it's definitely my favorite phase four movie i think um and then this most recent guardians were the two that like stand out the most um because everything else was kind of just you know blah. You know, it, it you, i was just like expecting so much like i was so excited for um dr strange multiverse of madness and it was just uh-huh. Like it, it just was disappointing. And I think that's what a lot of it is. I think people are just expecting Infinity War and Endgame type of movie every single film. And you just like, it's not feasible to sustain that. Yeah. I don't think they did a good job structuring this saga, right? So you mentioned Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is interesting because Shang-Chi is the only new franchise they've introduced in, on the big screen with a new character, right? Not new to comic fans, but new to the MCU. The Eternals, mm-hmm. yeah, but that was like a team movie. So Shang-Chi, by putting him out, you're basically saying, well, that's that's your Iron Man of these the space, right? And maybe they're going to go that way with it. But like my wife brought this up to me before where it's weird that we're not building toward Avengers movies. You know, it's weird that we don't have these right. like crux films where we see things come together. So it creates a feeling of disconnection. Um, it's weird that for, for a season Marvel fans – that, uh, you know, She-Hawk, you know, like She-Hawk should be in something else soon. Um, Moon Knight, like some of these guys, it's just a little weird that they're not building towards something. Now, I do think we're going to eat our words because next year, some really exciting things are going to happen. Rider strike, production delays pending. Um, New World Order, I think, is going to be the movie that we go, yes, that's the one that's like bringing this stuff together, right? Um, same thing with Thunderbolts. That's where we really start to see things kind of gel and we're going to see all these different areas start to connect. The pro the problem is that up until now, we've had a lot of stuff like, uh, I'm just looking at a list right now. So I know who to pick on. Um, just to run through the list, like the Eternals probably should have been a TV show. Moon Knight probably should have been a movie. She-Hawk should have yeah. shaved five episodes so it could actually have a visual effects budget. They're overstretched. Bob Jacob, Chapek over at Disney. 
made this made them create way too much content for Disney Plus. Like Disney announced the other day that they're going to dump Echo in one day. Up until now, we've heard rumors that Echo is terrible, and this basically confirms it because they were greenlighting everything because they wanted content for Disney Plus because that was the only thing they were making money on during the pandemic. Now it, I, they've realized their mistake. They're pulling back. I don't think the damage is ir, you know the, the that they can't reverse the damage. Because there's things coming out that people are excited for if the movies are good. And that's right. really the big question, you know. I'm optimistic about it, but I, I tend to like – for me, this is all bonus content. Like I read the comics. I'm still happy to I – would, I would never get too bent out of shape by them not adapting something well unless it's Superman. Because at this point, we have the source material. But I understand MCU fans who are like always looking for the next thing, you know, like – Where's this going? How's it going to connect? I want to see this crossover. And one last thing on that, Kevin Feige did say the reason they're not doing Avengers films is because they're doing so many crossovers with their different projects. We haven't seen that. Like maybe in right. phase five, because we're going to have um, the, the Marvels and a few other things that are coming out that are going to like cross over a bit more. Thunderbolts. But like up until now, well, who's crossed over? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Wong? Nobody. <laughs> Long, you know, and Doctor Long's Strange. Long's been in like every. Long's been in like right. every movie, I think. From and when it has crossed over, it wasn't done right because everybody in Marvel Studios they silo their productions, so the writers aren't actually allowed to see what each other are working on. So that you know, if you watched Elizabeth Olsen's interview uh, recently, uh, what was that on Wired, maybe, where she basically talked about how the producers of Wandavision of Multiverse of Madness were not allowed to watch Wandavision. The show is still being made, so that's yeah. why her character is wrong. <laughs> it just right. isn't like arc, a continuation of it. Yeah. is just like totally destroyed. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. And like you said, with crossovers, like Wanda crossed over into Multiverse of Madness, but she was the bad guy for basically. Which wasn't the original plan. You know, that, right. that occurred because of the pandemic when they had a little bit of extra time. I don't think it was done poorly, but I also think you don't call a movie the Multiverse of Madness and go to one universe. Well, not one, but like three <laughs> universes. That no, movie. Yeah, you're. Most We've got a video, God, it's partly written. There's so many videos I want to do that's like there's no time. But if you compare that movie, Multiverse of Madness, to everything everywhere all at once, right? Both of them have one really important thing in common, and that is that they stuck to the character first. It was the question of, well, what does the multiverse mean? The whole reason for a multiverse. A friend of mine once pointed out, a uh, friend of a friend, actually, I can't remember his name, pointed out that It's a Wonderful Life is the first multiverse movie. And the whole point of It's a Wonderful Life is George Bailey's going, well, I wish I'd never been born. The world would have been better off. I wish I didn't have all these. So he's imagining this other universe, or he's shown another universe by a higher power. That's the root of every multiverse story. In Multiverse of Madness, it was, can I be happy? And in Everything Everywhere All at Once, it was about Evelyn and her wasted potential and wanting to like explore, not being able to decide on one life path for herself. So they both put character at the center. Everything Everywhere All at Once was able to, you know, Explore the multiverse <laughs> as opposed to yeah. multiverse of madness. Yeah. Not a bad movie, a, a poorly titled movie. Yes, it should yes. have had a different I title. I would agree also because well, you put multiverse in the title, you have to deliver a multiverse. Yeah, also, I just also think uh, the Illuminati scene sucks. The more I think about it, the more I'm like. God, that's not because it was a disappointment and I wanted Tom Cruise Iron Man, but because these characters mean nothing to yeah. us or strange. It, it would have made if – if I'm going to make that movie, I'm going to be like, oh, it's a Council of Doctor Stranges. It's like, But that's too similar to the Council of Kings and Reeds. But like that would have made sense because it's about 
the conflict is strange versus strange. It's not strange versus Wanda. It's strange versus his own destructive impulses. I don't know, mm. but I am nitpicking. Like, my God, we live in an age. It's insane. A friend of mine from uh, Nando from Nando Movie Movie said it's it's crazy to think that when me and my sister were kids, my sister was like playing with her Polly Pockets. I was playing with X Men action figures. Imagine if there was like a Polly Pocket cinematic universe and all these different projects and things. You know, like that's not my joke. That's Nando's, but. <laughs> we live in wonderful times, and when I get into yeah. like the nuances of complaining about, well, I didn't like the Professor X in this Doctor Strange movie. Just stop. I stop and listen to myself, and I go, it's, it'll be fine. <laughs> Star Wars, I get personal about, about, though. <laughs> I'd rather have it to complain about than not have yes. it to complain about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in 20 years, we're going to be like, oh, I'm so nostalgic for Multiverse of Madness and She-Hulk. Well, Star Wars is a, another thing. and I mean, do you have, do you have a little bit of a time here? I have some time if... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so Star Wars, like, I'm actually in the process I got behind. So I'm in the process of watching Mandalorian season three right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously watching, I watch a couple episodes and then I'll watch the, the YouTube videos on. Much appreciated. So yeah. Can, yeah. yeah. Um, Mandalorian's really good. I know uh, so far. So I just watched episode four or five as of this recording. Um, so I, you know, I don't want to go into anything that spoils Mandalorian, obviously, but I think again, like with Star Wars, they kind of, it seems like it's going this way where they did something in the movies and now they have to add content to kind of explain why they did something in the movies. And some of the, you know, I, I just, I actually have talked about this to people recently, actually just the last episode I had, um, Marty Matulis, who was vain, in season three of of Mandalorian, so I was awesome. talked to him for a little while. Very cool. Stuff. Yeah, that's great. I, I I was telling him I was like off off air because I didn't want him to piss anybody off over it at Star mm-hmm. Wars Disneyland. But um, like Boba Fett, like I just I just hated that series. Like it it just Boba Fett was always the coolest character from the original movies. Very stoic, didn't say anything, very just like intimidating. And then like I would just rather pretend that that show never came out. But Obi-Wan yeah, I loved. My, yeah. Uh I don't think either are that great. I think Obi-Wan should have been a movie and it, it was a movie, I think, until they got pressure to do Disney Plus stuff. Boba Fett, well documented on Screen Crush. Uh, my feelings on the flashbacks and how weirdly it was structured and bringing yeah, in I do remember those. reuniting the two of them, uh, Den and Grogu on the show, it's just bad. It, it just didn't work. I mean, they are trying to tell a story that's like continuous across many things. And you can kind of see this like culmination where, you know, Boba Fett's crime empire. And, but at that point, you're just kind of like filling in slots of things that need to happen. Um, and I think Honest Trailers recently said, you know, everybody forgot what made Star Wars great. And that's that it would go away every once in a while. <laughs> it's true. And there's something to that. Well, and and the other thing too is because they jump around so much in this, like you know, you have the original movies were actually in the middle, the prequels were earlier, the new mm-hmm. ones were later, and then the shows are just kind of jumbled in somewhere. You know, like Andor was before New Hope, before Rogue One, and mm-hmm. then Boba Fett is now you know however many years after Return of the Jedi, but not quite the First Order. Like, I think the whole timeline aspect of it gets confusing to the casual fan. And it can, you know, yeah, they I might think you're right. To like start. It's only going to get worse. We've got three movies coming out completely different time periods. But 
eventually they'll, you know, I think it'll even itself out. I think people will just know, okay, Daisy Ridley's in this one. This is that. Uh, <laughs> right. That, that's kind of the best thing about Star Wars, though, is that it can jump around. The, the fact that George Lucas said, no, I want to go back and tell the old story, the prequels, rather than go forward. You know, it can jump around to different planets, different time periods, different, uh, you know, like even the show Star Wars Visions. Hell, any of that could be canon. That could take place 20,000 years in the future. You know, like it, it's a, right. the universe works because it opens up creators and their imaginations. That is true. That is true. I will give it that. Um, before I let you go, I am going to, if you're watching this on YouTube, I will put down below where to skip to. And if you're listening on a podcast, I'll put down below where to skip to. But I want to talk a little bit of Game of Thrones and I want you to be able to spoil stuff. So if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, skip to, or why do I keep saying Game of Thrones? Gosh, Guardians of the Galaxy. If you haven't seen okay. it, skip ahead uh, to wherever I put the timestamp in uh, either YouTube or on the podcast. <laughs> But I want to talk to you about Guardians of the Galaxy because I just watched it this last weekend. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it was, I loved it. Um, I don't know if it was my favorite Guardians movie. The first one might be my favorite. Super heavy of a movie. And like, I can't yeah, believe none of the, none of the main characters died. Uh, like, I, I honestly can't believe it. Like, the, just the entire, like, I, I teared up multiple times throughout the movie. Probably until the end once you kind of realize everything was was going to be okay. But what were your, what were your opinions on it? Yeah. The first time I saw it, like I said earlier, it's kind of hard for me to form an opinion when I'm working. Um, and I watched it twice, like for work. And the third time I just went to my, with my wife and we watched it at the theater and it was awesome. Like, um, after walking out at the third time, I thought, you know, that is, I think the best guardians movie because okay. it, it got to me on an emotional level, um, about a raccoon that, Right. I don't know if any other MCU movie hit me like that. Uh, and obviously, like, we're talking about adorable animals being killed, and that's... Sure. You know, gonna it hits everybody in the it's sweet hard spot. hard enough anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. But it's, it's not just because they're animals. It's because they're young, they're kids, they're optimistic. There's just so much that he crafted in there that's incredibly relatable to people. And if we're going to go through and, like, if we're going to treat art like it's a competition... The first Guardians um, is awesome and perfect, and it flows perfectly. It's like Star Wars and New Hope. Everything leads to the next. I always thought the climax was a little typical. You know, it's like, okay, spaceship, yeah. this guy, that guy. And it's fun, but it's like there's nothing in there that was incredibly innovative. Whereas the climax in this movie, everything that happened in it was in service to the characters. And when they finally come together for the, the hallway fight, we did a breakdown of the hallway fight, by the way, that is criminally underviewed. It. It's one of the best Guardians videos we've done. Uh, hope you liked it. So that scene is important for the characters and for the action itself. And I think that's the best action scene in any MCU movie. And I, I never, I didn't get as like personally involved as I, you know, with Bucky and Steve's relationship with mm -hmm. any romantic relationship in the MCU as I do with these characters. Um, even Thor Ragnarok, which I've always said is my favorite MCU movie I kind of put Guardians above that. I, you know, we've got a video that we're cutting right now. Massive video. It's going to be, I don't know, like a half hour long. Um, and it's about all of the hidden meaning and symbolism. And we were kind of saving that video for last after we did all this other coverage because we wanted to, like, digest all these themes and go into, like, how the movie 
you know, touches on the book of Genesis and the destruction of cities and the Garden of Eden and all of these different things. Like, it's an incredibly layered film like that. Not many MCU movies have the time or the care to go into that level of detail. Yeah. And, and like, you know, because you had... And it wasn't just because you had Guardians 1 and 2. It's because you had Infinity War and Endgame where you really developed this relationship with the characters. And honestly, like... To your point, the um, you know Peter Quill Gamora relationship was like I don't know it was, it was like I actually felt bad for him. You know what I mean? Like during the during the movie when he's like he really wants this Gamora to be his Gamora, and he has to kind of come to to grips with the fact that this is somebody else. And even there were a little bit of hints that like oh like oh maybe they're gonna end up at the end together. And I'm glad they didn't because like yeah, it would have been. Real disservice to both characters. Yeah, like I think it really kind of he learned a he learned something from the film and and just you know the, all of them together. I, I don't know why I just but for some reason you're right. Like I, I care about these characters more than I've cared about probably any characters in any Marvel MCU movie. And somehow you know James Gunn was able to build that relationship with them and like there's that big familiar i saw a joke i don't remember where it was but uh instead of uh instead of group uh at the at the end saying like i love you guys or whatever mm-hmm. um having him say like we are family or some fa- something with family because of the vin diesel uh right it's, yeah it's good i like that yeah that's that pretty cool yeah yeah but uh yeah like it, it just masterfully done as far as that goes. I mean, it's not your typical Marvel movie. You know, if you're going in there expecting like some of the more entertaining Marvel movies, it's definitely heavy. And like, I don't, I don't know that I would take anyone. Shouldn't take a kid like to 10. Yeah, yeah. The scene where it's PG 13 for a reason. The scene when he gets his face cut up, that that's like a PG movie from when I was a kid, you know, like in the eighties when Poltergeist was PG and before the PG 13 right. rating existed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely too heavy yeah. for, this, for for small kids. Yeah, and even just with the animal thing, like you said, like the the scene yeah. where animal murder he, is also very hard for children yeah. to watch. Yeah, I mean the scene where where Rocket is trying to escape and all of his friends end up dead, and you look and like it literally looks like there's a dead bloody rabbit, a dead you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just it's very heavy stuff and random f bomb, which I wasn't expecting. I laughed really hard when they when they had that scene but i didn't see the uh the uh f-bomb coming at all from from anywhere oh god that was so funny such a relatable moment too because we've all been like stop (laughs) open it stop i'm trying to unlock it you know we've all been at that point (laughs) yeah so um but yeah overall so you you would say it was your favorite of the three guardians movies yeah i think so and definitely definitely top five mcu probably top three like especially not avengers movie yeah, I'll have to watch it again because you you said you've seen it what three times now. I just saw it the once, so I think yeah, three times. Um, yeah, three times total. But the first two barely count because I was taking notes and right. Yeah, yeah. The the one like thing I was I did one say thing. To my wife, again. Oh, I was gonna say the one thing I did say to my wife like leaving the theater. You know, you mentioned Thor Ragnarok, obviously like one of the best Marvel films out there. Anytime that's on TV, which is almost every day. <clears throat> I can leave it on and watch it and, and whatever. This one, I feel like mentally I might have to prepare myself a little bit more before I watch it again because it is so yeah. like emotional. Very different movie. Um, here's an Easter egg for you. I didn't catch to the third time. Uh, the exclusive, exclusive right here. here we go. 
Um, depending on when this comes out. Uh, when Gamora goes through Peter's backpack, there's a very quickly on the right-hand side of a frame, a Panthro action figure from Thundercats, which I thought was cute because they're oh, basically cool. the Annie men. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't catch that either. I don't, I didn't watch anybody else's breakdown. Maybe I'm the last person <laughs> to find out if Eric caught it or not. Um, I don't know if I've watched theirs yet. I'll have to, I'll have to check. They're, yeah. They put theirs out like, quick. So he didn't have time to, to, you know, they didn't have time to research anybody else's videos. So it's all vintage new rock stars <laughs> on there. Uh, yeah. I mean like, and the other thing too, is because it is the the third one and there's just so much, you know, to, con- to break down and consume all the videos mm-hmm. are so long. I think they're like, most of them are 30 to 40 minutes long. So I just, like to to have to sit down and, and watch it, I have to make sure I find the time because I don't. Yeah, what I don't like doing is watching part of it. I, I don't like watching part That's, of it and then leaving. Part of what it's a push pull because the algorithm favors watch time so much, and I don't think we're putting out bad videos. I would never like add ten minutes to a video just because the algorithm. But it just it. I look at it like it gives you freedom to talk longer than you otherwise would have. But also, people get turned off by it. So I don't know. I don't know what that does to the click through rate. But I know that once I, it's once people click on it, though, if they keep watching, the, the algorithm really pushes it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually do like the longer videos. I, I Typically what I'll do is like at night when, you know, I'm getting ready for bed or whatever and I'm just ready to like sit there and, yeah. and watch, watch dishes or something like that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll throw those on because they're good. Thanks again to Ryan for joining me on the podcast Again, if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, at Ryan Airy. Screen Crush is on Instagram, at Screen Crush, and Twitter, Screen Crush News. And then obviously you can follow them, Screen Crush, on YouTube. Links will be down below. Also put a link for this interview on our YouTube channel, in addition to our social media. So make sure you just go ahead, click all those links, subscribe to everything, everywhere. Uh, If you're on YouTube, hit that bell when you do subscribe, because then I'll get notifications of new episodes. And when you follow us on social media, especially Instagram, you will see guest announcements before they happen. So I usually try to post a little bit of a teaser when people are pretty much going to come on, just got to work on scheduling. And then once scheduled, they are announced on our social media pages, like I said, especially Instagram. Uh, There you can also find some clips, little previews before episodes come out, and then links to all the episodes once they're released. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, this way you don't miss any episodes as well. But I think that will do it. If you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back. If you're new, thanks for checking us out, and I hope that you will keep coming back. And I hope to see all of you on the next episode.